Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. Even better if you can provide some foresight to the business and telling them what will happen in the future. They'll be, they'll be even better. So I, th- that's, I look at this from always being able to do something that not everyone else is doing, but also something here that can take you up to be unique in the position that you're at. And then people will start to listen to you. Because as soon as the business starts to listen to you, I'll guarantee you that your finance leader will start to listen to you as well. And then that is how I've seen the progression coming in my career. Hi, everyone. And it's my great pleasure to have shared just one of the many great bits of advice we go through on today's episode. Our guest mentor is Jesper Heupold Sorensen. And I've only got properly to know Jesper quite recently. I heard his name mentioned to me a couple of years ago. And between one thing or another, we never really properly connected. However, over the last uh, couple of weeks, few weeks, we've actually managed to talk an awful lot. And what strikes me so much about Jesper, he's one of the few senior finance leaders and practitioners out there who's been able to successfully mesh analytics and business partnering to help others in our profession move from being that scorekeeper type of finance and accounting person to that strategic partner. And he breaks that down to do three simple things to get there. Also, he's been able to successfully deconstruct the difference between insight and foresight. And I'll be curious to see if, if those resonate with you. And also the four pillars approach that he has to implementing an analytics culture so we can better support data-driven decisions. And I really want you to focus in on the start of the podcast because it's that career journey Yes, but goes through and it's quite practical in some of the tips he's sharing along that journey that you'll find very useful to take back to your own organizations uh, to not only improve your insights, but actually use them in a way that drives better influence and impact uh, for your organizations. So look, really enjoyed this episode recording with Jesper and getting to know him better. And I really look forward to many more conversations with him and hopefully getting him on the show again. So in the meantime, if you do actually want to delve a little deeper of course you can find a lot more on the show notes at sitnshow.com and i think this is a really key one to recommend to your friends and colleagues as well so again we're on all the major platforms itunes stitcher soundcloud and youtube so look that's definitely enough for me so over to jesper and the show Yes, most of my life I've been in uh, in business finance. I kind of started out in a Danish company in corporate finance, being a controller there. One of the benefits in, in corporate finance is that you got to learn a lot of the systems. After a while, uh, I got this opportunity uh, to go to the U.S. to uh, Silicon Valley for a position here as a senior manager. Basically, what they were looking for is they were looking for somebody who could be that trusted scorekeeper, somebody who knew how to report numbers, pulling them out of a system, doing your variance analysis and stuff like that. And, and that's kind of what got me here. So the trusted scorekeeper is what took me uh, to the U.S. Quite only a few days, I think, after I landed here, the Danish company got acquired by an American company. And that's the reason why I'm still here out on the West Coast in, in the U.S. and not back in Denmark. 
And kind of the progression, my career has always been doing something that has been, for me and, and for, for the p- uh, people that I've been supporting, like kind of unique, trying to do something that no one else is doing at that time. And uh, going from the trusted scorekeeper, being able to know all the systems and reporting numbers accurate and timely, I needed to do something else here to progress in my career. So one of the things that I did uh, when I was at uh, DuPont was that I started to gain a lot of knowledge and read about our business and understanding the business. I start in, in that way, I start to look into our competitors as well, what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I've developed a competitor intelligence. Like mm-hmm. where were we compared to where they were? And suddenly being able to provide that insight, the business starts to have uh, a lot of interest in you. After a while, I was sitting with the whole leadership team in the business talking about where we are right now, where our competitors are. I could talk the business language, so I could have that communication with them, so I could provide them that insight. So that is kind of what then got me to this director level in DuPont. And then after that, we started to develop uh, some things within predictor analytics. It was really before we knew that it was called predictor analytics or knew anything about predictor analytics. We called it forecast validation. But it was basically, I had a guy who's taken an MBA who came in with an approach that I later figured out was the whole dementia approach. So we start to use that approach on our own data, being able to predict. And we can see we could predict our business much better than the roll-up that we got from the business uh, on our top line. And then I start to look into my books at that time from uh, university. I was like, I'm into my career here. I'm five, six, seven years into my career. I haven't really used a ton of knowledge of the stuff that I learned in university. So I'm an economist. So I've done a lot of statistics. So I start to look into the books and then I'm like, okay, we must be able to use regression to something. If I could find an external asset out in the market that's highly correlated with our performance and that asset is forecasted, then I could actually forecast our performance as well. And then certainly this insight about the competition and stuff like that now moved into being able to provide prediction about our own business as well. And that is kind of how I moved up that chain, like starting as this trusted scorekeeper, knowing the systems very well, could do our variance analysis because I can dive into them, dive into SAP at a very low level, but now being able to tell the business something that they don't know where they are compared to their competition, but also where we should expect them to be in the future. And then the interesting thing here is as well, with prediction analytics, we could suddenly also start to predict our competitors because we also found an asset that was highly correlated with our competitors' performance. In that way, we could now sit in a conversation with the business talking about where we think that we'll be in the future, what might happen there in the future with us, but also where our competition would be. In that way, we can start to guide the business on who will grow fastest the next year. So in that way, that was kind of, that was kind of, one, of the, one of the highlights at DuPont, and that, of course, like you can provide insight, you can provide foresight, but at the same time, you get that collaboration out in the in the business because everyone starts to be interested in the information that you're sitting on that you can tell to the business, and therefore they can take those data-driven decisions based on that. So that was kind of the journey. That was a, a long part of the journey in DuPont. At that time, I started to develop this concept about what is it when we are a trusted scorekeeper compared to a strategic partner? And then I also got involved in a finance transformation project for all of the finance people in DuPont. And I started as a member there, but soon I became the leader of this because they saw this vision about how to go there and what are the capabilities that we need in order to get there. And that is what took my, me through the career to that senior director level at DuPont. And then 
After that, today I'm at Oracle. Oracle came up because DuPont is on the uh, on the East Coast in Delaware, uh, so Wilmington, Delaware, and I'm out here uh, on the West Coast and been out here all the time on the West Coast. My wife got a job when we were here and we didn't really want to move. Uh, Japan would like me to move to the East Coast. Uh, but at the end of the day, I got additional positions all the time being out here. And suddenly there was a position coming up where I had to move to the East Coast, which we couldn't really do at that time uh, because we got two jobs out here. Uh, and then Oracle came in. That's how I ended up at Oracle. And I think that they saw this vision as well when I was interviewing with Oracle. And today I'm leading a finance team uh, in a business where there's around 8,000 uh, 8, people in the business and leading that global finance team. That's uh, some journey, Esper. And uh, by the way, thanks for taking our audience through that. I didn't want them to think that the reason why you left Denmark was because it gets broadly the same average rainfall a year as they do in Ireland. <laughs> so, um, so, but I suppose I am envious of the lovely weather you get on the West Coast. <laughs> I, I can tell you the weather here is significant better than this in Denmark. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, you know, you didn't, uh, how do you say, you didn't uh, rest on your laurels out there. I mean, you've gone on to do so much. And actually, the journey you describe, I think, is what a lot of uh, fellow finance professionals and leaders are looking to, to replicate in some way. So there are, there are some elements I'd love to unpick uh, in there. I think the first one is that journey you said from trusted scorekeeper to strategic partner. I mean, like, obviously you had the, the controls experience or whatever, but where, where, should, um, where should leaders look to, to start facilitating and enabling that journey? I would say it's the analytics mindset, how to use data to provide insight to the business that they don't know today that they will take and react on that. So in this case, compared to intelligence, if we are not growing as fast as our competition, and we know that and we can see that, okay, what do we need to do different then? We need to do something different because if we don't do that, we're probably not going to grow faster. So being able to provide some kind of insight to the business that they don't know, that's the first step. Even better, if you can provide some foresight to the business, and telling them what will happen in the future, they'll be they'll be even better. So I think that's I look at this from always being able to do something that not everyone else is doing, but also something here that can take you up to be unique in the position that you're at, and then people will start to listen to you, because as soon as the business starts to listen to you, I'll guarantee you that your finance leader will start to listen to you as well, and then that is how I've seen the progression coming in my career. Foresight is a lot of things, right? Yeah, I was going to say, if, the way you're describing it seems like one of those circular things or snowball effects. Um, once you get that interest, it's, it's like, I suppose, they want more and more. And, and you know, because I've done a number of these podcasts now, you know, the one you mentioned there about competitor analysis, that is, um, I, there's a lot of companies out there that, that could do that much better from what I, I hear from, from people and what they feed back to me. So if they're looking to do something different, that could definitely be one space and you already gave some tips in terms of, of looking for assets out in the marketplace that are highly correlated with competitors. Um, but, mm-hmm. but, yeah. but you also highlighted now, and I'd love you to define for our audience, because I don't think it's that well um, understood, the difference between insight and foresight. Yes. Yeah, so insight, think about insight is something where you're looking at, you looked at your historical data and you could be collating uh, your historical data, maybe your revenue. If you can find some insight where there's an asset that is highly correlated with that, that could be, let's think about uh, customer satisfaction. So you have customer satisfaction in your organization as well. 
Mm-hmm. Well, customer satisfaction is not financial data. No. That's uh, operational data, or, uh, or maybe marketing data. Yeah. But that customer satisfaction, if you can figure out, for instance, that the customer satisfaction is highly correlated with your performance on top-line growth, now you can start to tell the business, if you can grow the business, if you can increase your customer satisfaction by one point, maybe from eight to nine, that will be the equivalent of your revenue growing 10% maybe. Mm-hmm. If that is the correlation that you see, then you know what to work on. You need to work on customer satisfaction. And guess what? There's a lot of papers out there. Customer satisfaction is the biggest value driver in any companies. There's several surveys and studies out there that shows that. But again, it's non-financial data. Mm-hmm. So let's look for that non-financial data and see how we can use that and then correlate that or find clusters, whatever it is, with our financial performance. It doesn't necessarily have to be non-financial data. Mm-hmm. So something like customer satisfaction or the tenure of our sales organization, it could also be, what about if you can find some correlation or some clusters between your performance and another business of yours in the company? So stuff like that, that's insight. Mm-hmm. Foresight then. Now, let's say that foresight, we can now predict high level where our business will be in the future. And I can go to the sales organization and say, okay, I don't believe in your forecast. And uh, maybe their forecast is 60 and yours is 50. But you can't really get into a dialogue, right? Because they will say, okay, I believe in the 60 here and you can see all my deals here. I can predict, maybe I'm better at predicting that they are. And I can see that historically that I've been able to predict our sales better than they can do in their role of forecast from each of the sales guys. But we can't really get into the dialogue. Mm -hmm. How about if I could tell something about the deals that they're working on, if there's some of the deals that is having a higher probability of closing. If I can do that using data mining techniques, what we define as um, like systematic intelligence, use systematic intelligence here uh, to say something about which deals that might close. In that way, they can start to work on those deals that's kind of in the middle there. Mm -hmm. We know there's some deals that will close. Don't work too much on them, they'll close anyway. There's some deals that will not close don't look, don't look at them. Don't spend time on them. Work on those in the middle because those are the ones that can go both ways. If you can get there, then we're not just talking about prediction analytics. Then we also talk about prescription analytics, like how can we make it happen? Yeah. And then we can tell that business what, what to do, which deals to focus on. And in that way, we use kind of foresight to provide uh, a lot of information, a lot of insight to the business, but a lot, also a lot of foresight that will impact the way that they take decisions. And that's kind of where we would like to go as finance. Then we work on the full spectrum of analytics. Well, well, like, you know, I mean, you sort of say where we would like to go as finance. Like, um, I would definitely challenge our audience. Um, and and I hope I hope this has been an eye-opener for, for some of them, that this is where finance is going. You know, people are getting there already. If, if you're not on that bus, and I think the way you described it, Jesper, foresight is really helpful to get on that bus. I know plenty of finance organizations doing this and and um, now they're doing it in slightly different ways, but it all comes back to, to making it happen. It's not sort of providing reporting or analysis or pointing out implications. It's actually doing something about it, something practical that's, that's useful to the business, that's going to get their attention, get you to that seat at the table. So I, I really like the example you shared. And also, you know, this, this is the challenge for audience. You know, you need to get there. And, and uh, you know, I do also want to put a bit of a small plug in here is I did read your latest book, Jesper, 
And what I, I found really neat in there was the four pillars approach. I, I mean, that's, the, that's what I'm calling it. But, you know, the, you know, those four elements that, that are required for a data-driven decision culture. And I'd hope, you know, if you sort of mind maybe elaborating on that bit for our audience, because, again, I thought that was a highly useful way of looking at this and maybe even the various personas involved. Yes, so we just published uh, our book. Robert uh, Swalling and I uh, wrote a book about how to implement an analytics culture for data-driven decisions. And then the book is about how to take business partnering to the next step, what we define as the analytics business partner, where we use analytics to tell the business something they don't know, but also tell the business some foresight that they can react on. And there's four pillars in that. Think about, and the four pillars are, uh, there's a mindset. So you need to have that mindset of where you want to go. You want to move from that trusted scorekeeper to the strategic partner. So that is kind of the mindset of it. But then you also need people. If you don't have the right people, you can't get there. You need processes. If, if you don't have the right processes, you can't get there. And then finally, you need systems. Excel, we've long exhausted Excel in order to get there. Um, so we need some additional power here. Think about it this way. If an organization is having all the processes and all the processes, think about data governance, all the data is amazing. They have really good data to analyze. That's good. Uh, they have the right people. They have the, all, the, uh, all the best students here in the company to do this as well. But what they don't have is that they don't have the leadership with that mindset of this is where we want to go. They might even have the system as well. But if they don't have that pillar of the, of the mindset from the leadership team, the leadership team just think like they just have this belief that good enough is good enough and we just need to report numbers accurate yeah. and timely, then we don't get there. Yeah. Well, you could also flip it mm -hmm. the other way around. You might have the leadership who wants to go there. They have this vision of next generation finance and how to become an analytics business partner. You have the best people in the world. You have the best data in the world. But guess what? The only system you have is, is Excel. In that way, you're still only uh, what I call a reporter. And you can do the same if you don't have the process, if you don't have the right data, and you, if you don't have good uh, data governance, then you can't get there. Then, then your analytics will not be good. And finally, you could also have the people who just say, okay, we just want to be the Excel jockeys. Like reporting numbers is what we're good at diving into the system and finding those numbers, doing our variance analysis is what we're good at. We don't really want to develop here. We can do everything in Excel. That's what we always have done. In that way, you might have the leadership who wants to go there. You might have the best system that you have acquired as well. And you might have the right, the right processes with good, with good data and good data governance. But the people just don't want to go there. Then you also will not be able to develop that, that analytics culture for data-driven decisions. So it's about aligning these pillars. And it's kind of the lowest level of these four pillars that defines where you are. We talk about this evolution where you're moving from a, a reporter to a commentator to an advisor to a strategist. And it's kind of the lowest level of these pillars that define where you are. If you only have Excel, yeah. you're by definition a reporter, and you might be able to step up to the commentator where you can dive into systems and tell uh, your variance analysis and look at trends. But there's no, there, there's no real analytics in that. Yeah. And that is what the book is about. How do we do this? How do we implement this analytics culture for data-driven decisions? I've got this image in my head, and I think as you put it in there, Jesper, when we'd spoken previously, is like that image of like a coliseum, you know, those old Greek academies or whatever with the with the sort of the triangle of the bit above the coliseum. And, you know, the, the coliseum will only go as big as, 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 you know, the strength of those pillars, 
if any one of those is anyway faulty, you're not going to have a very strong foundations yeah. for for you know data-driven decision-making or a culture that way. So so I think, look, that, thank you for summarizing that for our audience and, and just giving us some really great advice. You know, I'm curious, though, you know, what has been maybe the best bit of advice you've ever received? I think that the best, the best advice that I got in this journey leading a team was from a manager. She was like really strong in the interpersonal uh, skill set. And she was looking at this and said, okay, you are, you're driving too fast. I know I can see where you want to go with the team, but you want to make sure that you get your team with you. So that, that is like these eight years ago, I more or less just became a manager at that time. And, and I, I had this vision of where I want to go. I still have this vision today of where I want to go, but you want to make sure that you get your team with you. This is mm-hmm. not something you can do yourself. If you want to build an analytics culture, something that you build in your organization, it's not about one guy being the strategist here. It, it's about this whole organization filling out all of these roles where we play the reporter. We can report numbers accurate, timely, clean. We can pull them out of the system. We can do our variance analysis. We can start to talk to the business. We know our business acumen. We start to provide insight. We have different people doing different things here. It's not a one-man shop who's doing these kind of things. Mm. And that's the same with analytics. Like if I want to implement an analytics culture, then I can't do that myself. I need more people here because if I want to be dedicated to this, I need somebody who can also control what I call the machine room. They, they, can, do, they, they can do these kind of tasks as well, right? So, so I, I think that you need to think about business partnering a lot more as it's something we're doing in the finance organization, but not necessarily just on an individual level. But we want to have the right individuals to be able to drive this. I think that's that that that's what I figured out. Like I thought that I could drive all of this myself in, <laughs> in the days, and and you can get to a certain point. But at some point of time, like you, you need you need to get your team with you, and that that's that's also the characteristics, right? For for good managers, good managers, good leaders. When you look at these good leaders out there, those are the guys who can get the team with them. If if we can't do that. We more individuals than we are than we are managers. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I wish I had that advice, Jesper, a long time ago as well. <laughs> we probably achieved a lot more in a lot short period of time, <laughs> but we we got there eventually. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So uh, no, no, that that's a great uh, great uh, piece of advice to share, and um, I suppose in in the uh, the process of sharing. Obviously, you know, I would recommend, you know, our audience go check out uh, your book, but also would there be any other resources or or items that you recommend our audience go check out? With this, I'll I'll tell you a little story about like this analytics journey and and kind of Mm. what what I've been what I've been doing in this this field. I came out to conference. uh, People asked me to come and speak uh, to conferences before the book and everything here talking about things like business partnering. And how we develop strong performing teams. Now I was talking about these four roles from moving from a report to a commentator to advice to a strategist and what that that's in those roles, right? And then I was uh, I was talking about predictive analytics, but there was also another guy there who's talking about predictive analytics. Uh, and we start to talk and and, and, and that was Robert Swelling that I wrote the book with. And uh, we start to talk and, and saw that we see a very, very similar mindset, even though he comes from the software industry where he, like, he's running his own uh, software company, Aurora Predictions, right? And, uh, and we start to talk and he was like, oh, what, do you want to be an advisor? Because I'm developing this software right now uh, and I want some finance people to kind of look at it and, and get the feedback there of 
mm. what they should do. Uh, we start having the conversation there. I'm still one of his advisors today. And we then start talking uh, to conferences where our topic was kind of overlapping each other. I was talking about this from a finance perspective with this mindset and how we do these kind of things. He was coming in from a system perspective and say, okay, we need to move out of Excel and we need to get more analytical power in order to do these kind of things, showing some of the things that we can do uh, when we have the software available. And people start to come up uh, to us after our sessions and say, okay, where do we get started? So the guys where we were speaking we, we told them, why don't we just develop uh, some, some classes for you, for your conference, where we go through all of this, the way that we speak. And that's uh, how we uh, develop what uh, is, today is calling the Analytics Academy. So an academy that is hosted by, by the JPK group that is held twice a year, where we teach people how to do analytics and implement an analytics culture. And I think that has been, that's an interesting journey. For me, it's been a great journey because I, I feel that one of the best ways, probably the best way to learn stuff is to teach it. If, yes, we, if we can teach stuff, then we have a much deeper learning. I remember that from, uh, from university. I was an instructor teaching some of the, the students at, at lower level finance and accounting. And then you need to be at your best when you're teaching other people something. <laughs> Right. And, and it's the same now, right? Like in order to teach people something, you need to understand it into a very uh, low level of details. But also the beautiful thing about when you teach is that you get a lot of questions that you might not have yes. thought about before. And that that's actually, so that's actually improve your own capabilities as well to think in a different way when somebody's coming in with these questions to the approach that you have. Uh, and you can then uh, uh, redefine and improve your own approach. So I, th I think that's I think that has been a, that has been a good thing, and the academy has been has been interesting in in developing people and developing the analytical skills. Yeah, that that's a great uh, point there, Jesper. And in terms of that academy, what what is the the proper name so our audience can check that out? Yeah, so it's it's called the Analytics Academy. It's hosted by uh, a group called the JPK Group, and it's held in different different cities here in in the U.S. The next time will be in uh, in San Diego, beautiful oh. San Diego in uh, in February. Awesome. So I will I will do my best to reflect uh, those names and links in the show notes. So so I shall put them up there for audience interested in, in following up on those and perhaps Jesper, if some of our audience maybe wish to continue the conversation with you, where's the best place to connect with you at? The best place is is probably LinkedIn. Uh, I believe that everyone more or less is on LinkedIn. I write articles out there. My favorite topic, of course, is the analytics. There's some tips and tricks out there on analytics. I started a group a few days ago that is called the Analytics Business Partner Group, right. where there are where uh, all the articles are on that group, but also um, where there'll be some tips and tricks on uh, how to get started here. Soon we'll be talking about these four pillars and uh, and the pillars here like how do we align them but also some like how do we get started with things like unbiased forecasting stuff like that i i i love it when uh, guest mentors are doing things like that yes but you know just we can only cover so much on these podcasts or these episodes so giving people a resource to go follow up ask questions uh, see what other people are saying and in a community dedicated to it that's just that's just awesome so i'll, I'll get a link to that into the show notes also but um, I, I suppose, Jesper, again, being respectful of your time, you've covered so much here, the, the four pillars, the various different personas. 
difference between insight foresight for uh, fascinating journey and i think the big thing for me is it's like i know you, you did it over many years but it just shows to us it is possible to move from that trusted scorekeeper to a strategic partner and that you know everyone in finance has a role to play in facilitating that as well but uh, before we let you go would you perhaps have any other maybe parting thoughts for our audience yeah, so I think education, like you can take a ton of education, but a way to do this is also like where I started a lot of things is just self-study. I had, mm-hmm. I, I sometimes have looked at this and said, okay, I've heard about this. I want to do something about it. So one of the things that I looked at was, one point of time was, was cluster analysis. Extremely powerful if you, can, uh, if you can get your data into clusters and, and have something here and there with, with, with similar patterns, right? But do you get that? Where is it that you find that education that, that can bring you that? A lot of times, like we have, the, we have a good engine, right, with Google and searching on Google and finding stuff there. And you can see, you can see stuff there on Google and, and then get started. So I think that, that is one way if you really want to get started in, in the small way here. But also, I, I think a lot of time I've enjoyed uh, face-to-face training. Yeah. I've, yeah. Done some, I've done some classes at, at universities here in, in the U.S., where there's some really skilled trainers there who can teach you stuff that it might not be relevant 100% for you, everything that they're talking about, but you get something that you can bring back home and then maybe start to study them yourself as well. Because the exam that we're giving on those classes might not be applicable to what you're doing, but you can see kind of those techniques. So it's about being innovative in the way that we run finance. And I think that's the that, that is the most important thing right now. And, and Andrew, you've touched a little bit on that, like this move away from where we were 20 years ago to where <laughs> we want to be today. Correct. And I want to make sure that people is, is doing finance with this evolution and they're not sitting back there 20 years ago. So I think that have that innovative mindset and, and, and do some, like some study yourself, but also join some classes where there's some really, really good instructors who can help you uh, on that career path to do something that not necessarily everyone else is doing. That's it. That's a great way of finishing. And I use the word, you use the word innovative a number of times and I, I don't know what it means to you. Yes, but for me, it means, you know, going and, and figuring this stuff out and then doing something with it, not just sitting on it, just do something with it, you know? And, and as you said, I like that. You know, try and do something different to maybe someone else as well so look what a what a great uh, parting thoughts to finish the show on Jesper thank you so much for investing your time with us today and coming on the show thank you for having me so there you have it hope you enjoyed today's show if you'd like to know more about our guests today their bio and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com there you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows read the latest blogs there's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out latest events news and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun rewarding and successful career in finance and accounting and just before you go we really appreciate your feedback if there's something we can do better on the show something that's not working or something you'd like to see even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community please let me know you can email me I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. 
And when all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week, take care, and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.